Hi, this is Pastor Austin from Connection Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our services, you can go to ConnectionNYC.com or check us out at ConnectionNYC on Instagram. Hope you enjoy it and hope to see you soon. Today, uh, you can open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. will be the the mainstay of our uh, sermon today. Uh, But we're going to jump around, jump around, jump up, jump up, and get down in a few other places as well. For example, I'm going to get started in John chapter 13, and it's kind of an awkward, kind of like that awkward joke I just did right there. Uh, It's kind of an awkward passage for a lot of people because it was awkward for the people in the story. In In John 13, Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. I would imagine there are a few people in here who have not had their feet washed ceremoniously or, or culturally when people come over to visit your house or whatever, right? That, that's just not part of our standard practice. Uh, I haven't been part of those in like a church service, but it's not standard protocol for our culture. For them, it wasn't that awkward for foot washing to happen. That was a common practice. But what was awkward was this. Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah. And if anyone in that day should have been washing someone's feet, it should have been the disciples washing Jesus' feet. But Jesus said, you're you're wrong. This is not how this works. It's about me washing your feet. And so in John chapter 13, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And Jesus said, Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. So it's good to understand that Jesus is like, you're right in calling me this. I am teacher and I am Lord. For that is what I am. In verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Today's sermon is serve one another. We are called to serve. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here because I look around and I see most of you, and you do serve. You do help out. You're very giving people. What I'd like us to do as we get ready to make this move into a new space next week It's not only a move to a new space where we can expand our ministry, but it's also a a shifting that's in our heart, too, of like, okay, we're a church plan again. We're going to go next level. We've got a lot of work to do. We want to see the church grow, and we're going to be asking some of you to step up in bigger ways. And you've already been asked to step up in bigger ways. But this is something I want us to make sure that as we serve, this is something God is telling us to do. What I want to do today is make sure our motive is right. Our job isn't to grow a church. Our job is to worship the Lord and serve one another. And when we're faithful to what God has us do, He's the one who builds the church. It's not our job to build the church. It's His job to do that. It's our job to be faithful and obedient to Him. So as we serve, what is our motive? And also, what is our action? I mean, if we were joking around before church uh, in a small group setting, and basically, I don't remember the whole joke or whatever, but the the comment on the other side of it was, well, if you don't ever serve, then maybe you don't have Jesus in your heart. If you're only thinking about yourself and what I can get for me, that's self-focused. 
So maybe I haven't had that transformational change in my heart to where Jesus is Lord, and I've been captivated by what he's done for me to give my life to him so that I can serve others and think outside of me. So in the book of Galatians, which is where I had you go, chapter 5, this is a letter that speaks to a church that's going through a lot of challenges. And what I love about the New Testament letters that, that Paul wrote is he's writing to people, although culturally very different, he's writing to people like us in, in many ways, where there's a lot, of a lot of things distracting us from what God is wanting us to do. And so this church was being distracted by legalism. They were trying to get pulled back in. It's like, if you want to be a real Christian, you got to do this. If you want to be a true follower of Christ, you have to be circumcised if you're a Gentile. You have to do all these things. You have to follow these rules and these laws. And Jesus and Paul was writing them saying, it's, no, it's not about those things. It's about what Christ has done for you. It's not about you proving yourself. It's about you giving yourself to the one who has proved himself to you. Giving yourself to Jesus who's proved his love for you by going to the cross for you. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15, we'll get our three points today. And I'll read, read the verses for us. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So we're going to see three things. We're going to see that our freedom that God gives us is for serving one another. The second thing is that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And the third one is we're to protect the unity of the church. The freedom is for serving. Love your neighbor as yourself. Protect the unity of the church. So the first one is for, uh, our freedom is for serving others. This freedom God gives us through Christ came at a great cost. It cost Jesus his, own, his whole life. And he did that to bring us freedom. The reason we have to say, Paul is clarifying here in Galatians, that we need to use that freedom to serve one another is because there is a reality that where sin increases, grace increases even more. So this is in Romans chapter 5, another letter that Paul had written. And so the principle is, the more you sin, the more God's grace is going to give to you. The deeper your sin is, God's grace is going to go even deeper than that. And so if you're looking at that objectively and, and scrutinizing it, you can say, oh, well, I'll just sin it up, and I got my grace to cover it. And the sad thing, or not the sad thing is, the, the reality is, Technically, that's true. But that's not the spirit of that truth. And if, if you're going to live a life of trying to abuse that, then that probably says more about your heart and your relationship with the Lord than the truth of that. What God is trying to say to us very clearly in that, and in fact, Paul has to address that. He's like, this is so radical in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. It's a new chapter to us because we've you know, sectioned the scriptures out to make it easier to find things. But it was just part of the continual letter for Paul. So the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, they're not starting a new topic. They're, they're connected. And so he says, what shall I say then? Shall we just go out and sin so that grace will abound even more? He's like, no, by no means. That's not what I'm saying. But he had to say that because this is a radical concept. God's grace increases where our sin increases. Now here's the good news. This is a part of the scripture, but I feel like I need to say this. 
But the good news is, the further you mine the depths of your heart, the more sin you're going to find. It's subtle. It, it, it's, it's down deep in there. And the good news is, when you do find that, when the Spirit of God convicts you of those things, there's grace to cover it. So that gives us the freedom to say, Lord, just bring it out. Just expose that so that we can just get it out in the open and bring it to the light so that the grace can abound. And it brings glory to Jesus. It brings glory to God for those things. And it makes us more like Him. So, no longer, the law doesn't keep us from, the law no longer keeps us from serving our neighbors. There were many times that you read the Old the New Testament, and even old, but the New Testament especially, because that's where Jesus is, right? I know Jesus, I'm sorry, I hear my seminary professors, he's in the Old Testament too, I know he's in the Old Testament too, but we see his <laughs> earthly ministry in the New Testament, and we see him going along, and people say, you can't do that on the Sabbath, he healed on the Sabbath, he did all these things, and Jesus was like, bruh, you need to listen to me, I'm doing something greater, the Sabbath wasn't, uh, man wasn't created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man, and so we like to mess things up and distort God's truth, and so Jesus says, Forget about those laws stop from stopping you from serving others. I want you to serve others. If there's a chance to serve others, go do that. It doesn't say forget the law. It says don't let the law hinder you from serving and blessing others. So in Galatians 5.13, he says, You are called to be free because Jesus fulfilled the law. You're free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, the, the sinful nature. Don't go out and just live in la vida loca, right, and live it up. He says, I want you to use that freedom to just remove the constraints from your life so that you can just go and serve. Shift to think about other people. And do that in love. Do it humbly. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, If I possess, excuse me, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So even the spirit of us serving needs to be done not just humbly, but to be done in love. In love for who God is, and in love for who God has created others to be. I'm to love them. I'm not trying to serve others so that God will now owe me something, or that they will pay me back. I do it out of simple love. Jesus, or Paul gives us an example through Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. He says, in your relationships with one another, I want you to have the same mindset that Christ did. And then he goes into the mindset of Christ. And the mindset is, who being the very nature of God, didn't consider his equality, his status with God, something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, here's what Jesus did. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus went to the ultimate sacrifice for us that he could have just said, I don't have to do this. I'm just going to just start all over again. These people aren't worthy of me. Because you know, we're not worthy of who he is. We've fallen short. But that's not the disposition of God's heart. God's heart is, I love you, I've created you, and I see who you will be in me. And he died on the cross. So that's our heart, is that what Jesus did for us, now I want to go and do for others. I want to go and do these for others. So that's number one. We use our freedom to serve others. Number two is love your neighbor as yourself. 
Now, this was uh, straight from the scripture. I didn't even have to make the point. Whatever, this is just straight from it. It says, Galatians 5.14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, and the command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So I was like, I'm not going to mess with that one. Let's just do that. Because if it can be fulfilled in that, maybe those words are chosen for a reason. So love your neighbor as yourself. So the more you mind the depths of sin in your heart, the more you're going to find it. It's there. And then God will bring forgiveness and healing to your heart. Because grace expands and just covers it. When you finally learn to accept that grace and accept that healing and walk with the Lord in that way, what we want to do at this point is start to give this to others. Now that I'm able to love myself and accept myself for, okay, yep, I'm not as good as I thought I was, but thank God Jesus is better than I ever thought he was. Once we can do that, now we can start to love others in that same way. And I don't look down on them, but I realize that I'm there with them. So I heard this week on a podcast I listened to, and it, it was a, it's a call-in show for a, a psychiatrist, and it's just, it's really, I don't know, I, I find gold nuggets in it all the time. But this one really stood out to me, and I had to hit pause and just you know, write it down and just think about it. And basically, it was this person who had gone through a really tough time and was not living up to what they should live up to. And then they finally had a breakthrough, and they're able to look back on the other side of it, and they look back, and they're like, it, what used to be so unbearable for me, I, I now can handle it. And the response was this. Before you could handle it, you couldn't handle it. Some people are still, oh, and they were looking down on other people now. And she said, some people are still in their before stage. I'll say that again because I, I feel like I kind of lost it myself. Before you could handle it, you couldn't handle it. And some people are still in their before stage. Like there's some things in life right now probably you can't handle. And if you're a fan of, of, of good movies, you, sometimes we can't handle the truth, right? You can't handle the truth. I couldn't think of that. All right, couldn't resist and so there's some things in life that you're going through right now, you're like, this is more than I can bear. And so you're in that before stage. You just can't handle it right now. But someday, you're going to finally be able to handle it. And if you're not careful, you're going to think down on others who are still in their before stage. Compassion is something you should have for others. And I think it's something you should also have for yourself. Give grace to yourself. Give grace to others. And then, once you understand that God has this compassion and grace for you that's so deep, you're able to give it to it. And he, and he gives it to you. Now you're able to extend that to others. And here's a little tidbit too. Sometimes, you may look at other people and think, boy, they're in their before stage. They just don't have it together. I'm there. And you may even be thinking humbly about it. But sometimes you're going to later find out that they weren't in the before stage. You just, you just weren't there yet. Like, you ever had those moments in life? I'm like, man, my parents are right. I thought they were so wrong on this. And then I found out they're right. Or my friends were. Or there's, a, there's an issue that, that it was really, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of examples. So just be careful in judging other people at all. 
I just recommend it. So Jesus said, don't judge others. I'd probably just recommend not doing that. Follow the recommendation. So love your neighbor as yourself. And if you find yourself judging someone, think, all right, I need to look inwardly here and, uh, and get my heart right. I need to love them as I love myself and the way God loves me too. Number three, the last one, protect the unity of the church. Protect the unity of the church. Unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Uniformity means we have to agree on everything. It's like cookie cutter. We're all wearing the same uniform. We match on every detail. So there are some things where we need uniformity. The essentials of the church. Like Jesus is the only Savior. He's the Messiah. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There are certain essentials of the Christian faith that we must agree on in order to distinctively be a Christian. There are other things that we can disagree on. Like the, the, the role people play in church. The... Um, uh, the songs we sing, all, there's a lot of things that we can just vary on and have uh, differing opinions. But unity is something that we can have even when we disagree on some things. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. It's interesting because he's talking to Christians here. So Christians can bite and devour each other. What? Are you looking for in your relationships with your faith family? Are you looking for fights? Are you looking to prove yourself right? Are you looking to, to argue doctrinal differences? I mean, there are there is a time and a place to, to argue. Argue is not a bad word. That's debating. That, that's good. We, we sharpen one another. That's fine. But there's a difference between arguing and fighting. And I think the big difference is pride. I feel better about myself when I prove myself right. When I win the debate, I feel better about myself. When I get the most likes, when I come back and, and have this comment that just really just tears down their, their argument and people like it and agree, that's good, Daniel, that was good. That makes me feel good. Well, if that's the heart, then I'm looking for fights and quarrels. And so James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in chapter 4 of his letter, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You, and here's, here's the kind of breakthrough moment. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, when you do ask, you do not receive because you're asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So you're either doing two things. You're either asking, you're not asking God at all, because you want what you want when you want what you want, or you're asking God for the wrong reasons. And he's like, I can't bless that, because you're going to use it or abuse it for something that's not going to do you any good, or it could even harm other people. So when we are protecting the unity of the church, we're not looking to take things. We're going, it kind of goes back to the beginning. We're looking to serve one another. Like, God, when you give me something, how can I use that to serve other people? And I'll finish with, with John, excuse me, Matthew chapter 20. I told you we were jumping around a lot. Matthew chapter 20, we'll finish here, because it leads us back to the heart of what Jesus did for us. Matthew 20, verse 20 says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with their sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. So Jesus says, what is it that you want? And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. 
He says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they're like, yeah, we can. We can do that. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard about this, they were indignant. That's a hard word to say. Indignant. With, that means they were mad, okay? They were mad with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and he said this. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, so they, they hold it over their heads, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your what? What do you think that is? Servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve. And to give His life as a ransom for many. So as we get ready to enter a new season at Connection where we're serving one another, trying to serve our community, trying to connect people to Jesus and one another, when we're doing all these things, we must have at the forefront of our hearts and our minds what Jesus has done for us. This should just wake us up every morning Jesus came not for us to serve him, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He washed their feet in as many ways as I know that he can't physically wash your feet right now, but that's what he's doing with us spiritually. <clears throat> when the, the foot washing thing isn't a, you know, when Peter had his feet washed, he's like, Jesus said, if you don't allow me to do this, you can't have any part of me in the kingdom. And he's like, well, just wash me my whole body then. Give me a whole bath. And he's like, Peter, come on, that's just weird, number one. Number two, uh, that's not the point. He says, you don't need that. You've already, you're already in the kingdom, Peter, but your feet still get dirty. And so what you need me to do is just wash your feet. So you don't have to get saved and resaved and all those things that have this transformative experience. It's, it's, it's like a, a very mundane, practical, and, and maybe even a uneventful process of just going to the Lord on a daily basis and say, Lord, I receive the clean feet from you as you wash my feet. And just keep setting me right, Lord, today. Get me right in line with you again. And sometimes we wander big and we make big mistakes, all right? And guess what? I have good news for you. There's grace for you. It's more than that big mistake. It's, it's deeper. It's, it's, it's wider than that. But we need them for those little things too. And so the best way for us to have an attitude of worship and a, a servant's heart is to continually remind ourselves that Christ has given us the ultimate. And because of that, we are now able to serve others. I'm excited about our move to the new space. And I, I don't think the new space is magical. I think the church that we have here is just as valid as the church that we're going to have there. But I'm excited about the, the ability to expand our kids' ministry. I'm excited about the ability to have more people. It's a, it's a larger venue as well. And I, I feel fresh about it. Like, I, I, um, like the renewed spirit. Like there's a freshness of like, this is a new chapter. And uh, we've, we've had some really good chapters in our church before, too. And we've had some really tough ones. Um, but I'm excited as we start our 11th year, or finish, I don't know how anniversaries work. Is it the finish of our 11th or the start? 
Start, it's a start or finish. We started in 12. I don't know. We'll figure that out later when we're not on tape. <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> so um, I think it's the completion of our 11th year. Yeah, because your first anniversary is the completion of your first year. Yeah. So we're going to go with that. I've got some nodding. We're, we're good. We're in agreement. See, unity. We protected the unity of the church right there. But I'm excited as we start this next chapter of our lives and look forward to doing that with all of you. And uh, more importantly, I'm excited for us to work together with God. I, I believe more today than I did six months ago that God is with us. And I probably believe that He was with you, but there was, a, there, was, there was quite a bit of time I didn't think He was really with me because some stuff was going on, right? And uh, I just know that that's a lie. And Satan tries to distract us, and he tries to tear us down, because his victory is, is, is not even possible. He doesn't have a possibility of victory. And he can't have any power over your life either, unless he can somehow mess with your mind and your heart to where you think you can't win. And we're going to take a look over as we get to the, we're going to have a new sermon series we're working on, uh, and we're going to launch it on the 10th of September. We're going to do a standalone next week, and we're going to start on the 10th, and we're going to launch into that for a few weeks. And it's going to be talking about the, I don't know, we don't have the exact name of it, but it's about the imposter syndrome. Have you heard of this? So basically, imposter syndrome means you, you kind of feel like a phony or a fake, that I, I can't really live in this. And you know, Austin and I have been talking, and we believe a lot of times Satan attacks us here and wants us to say, did God really say that? Do you really have victory? Does he really love you? And we're going to find out over and over that most of his attacks like that, or all of his attacks or, or accusations, are, are, are wrong. And we're going to see how God gives us victory over the next few weeks. I'm excited, uh, and I'm ready to serve the world together with you. So let's pray. Actually, serve one another and the world. Not just the world. All of us together. Lord, we bless you. We love you. We thank you so much for giving us victory and giving us hope. Thank you for the great service that you did for us, Lord, in giving your life for us. And not only as an example, which you are an example of how we are to live our lives, but Lord, you're also the one who gives us the possible, the, even the possibility of being a servant to others. Because without that, Lord, our heart is just self-centered and self-focused. So Lord, thank you for the life that you've given to us, and we ask God that you would bless your church for the benefit of the world you've created so that more people will come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.